Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 496. I'm recording this week's episode while on board Mariner of the Seas. It's actually the last night of my cruise, but I wanted to reflect on some of the things that really stood out about this sailing. Here we go. So we're on Mariner of the Seas. It is the last evening of my cruise, and yes, I'm a little depressed that it's coming to an end and I have to go home tomorrow and have to wake up early to go home tomorrow, but I had a great cruise. And I wanted to talk about some of the things that really stood out about the sailing. You know, we often like to do these post-cruise reviews, but I picked out about a half a dozen, one, two, three, yeah, six things that really uh, I, I think are important because they're kind of new changes or they're just simply new to me. And in a lot of cases, when you go on a cruise, what may be new to you is equally important as something that's actually new to the fleet, right? It doesn't matter that if it's, you know, something you haven't experienced before that has, you know, been there, done that for a while. If it's new to you, it's just a new experience. And I've got a mix of things here that really stand out to me uh, with my cruise. We're on a five-night Western Caribbean cruise on Mariner of the Seas. I went solo on this cruise, and we went to Cozumel in Costa Maya, Mexico, out of Port Canaveral. And this is my 12th time on Mariner. I really couldn't believe that I've been on Mariner quite this many times. I was talking to uh, my YouTube editor about it, and she was like, you should write an article about it, which I did, about how many times I've been on Mariner and why I like it so much. I was like, I haven't really been on this ship that many times. And then I looked it up, and this will be number 12. So, yeah, I guess I have been on her. And uh, I do love this ship quite a bit. And being on here has been great. I had a wonderful cruise. But, again, there are about six things that I can think of, at least before we started recording, that I may add on to by the end of the episode. But six things that really stood out and I wanted to talk about on this cruise. Number one. Post dry dock, Mariner of the Seas completed her regular scheduled maintenance work. Uh, there was a dry dock that occurred earlier this year. Uh, every five years, Royal Caribbean cruise ships go in for service, and this was Mariner's turn. That means if you're doing your math correctly, yes, the last time was in 2018 when she was Royal Amplified. Now, that's an important distinction because there's a big difference between uh, a Royal Amplification and a dry dock. and uh, in the case of the Royal Amplification in 2018, she got water slides and new restaurants and all course of um, cool, all sorts of cool uh, things on board. This was a dry dock, and a dry dock is more maintenance. Think of it more like, you know, you you go and bring your car in for an oil change every, well, it used to be every 3,000 miles. I don't know. Now it's like 12,000 miles. Uh, it's different, but you know what I mean. It's regular scheduled maintenance. And uh, in, in when I got on board the ship, I was excited to go see all the changes and document everything, and most of it was pretty mundane. A lot of it occurring under the waterline, so to speak. You know, repainting the hull, maintenance work on the engines. There was some resurfacing of the pool deck. That was probably the most significant guest noticeable thing about it, was that if you walked on the pool deck on deck 11 or 12, the surface, the, the floor was new and certainly not very exciting, but probably the most noticeable thing about it, because that's really kind of a microcosm of really what the work that was done encapsulates was just a lot of not very noticeable things, just general upkeep. They did not upgrade anything in the cabin. It's probably one of the biggest things people always ask about when any ship goes into dry dock and Royal really does not touch cabins, especially decor really ever, even with a Royal Amplification, I think maybe the bedspreads might have got, I'm looking at my bed right now because I'm recording this in my cabin. Um, it doesn't look like it was anything different. I mean, it's just not their thing. Some cruise lines do that where I, I believe it's, uh, I was doing a video on our YouTube channel about some of the things I wish other cruise lines did. And I want to say Norwegian 
was good about updating their bed spreads and, and certain things in the cabins. With Royal, I mean, it's maintained. I don't want you to take that as they just leave. It's the same stuff from when the ship was launched. I mean, obviously, they just they just keep the same motif. It's not updated. And that's sometimes uh, a detriment to them in the sense that people always say, oh, the ship looks dated, right? Um, it looks old, whatever you want to call it. And listen, it doesn't, you know, if you look at the cabin on Mariner of the Seas, you look at a cabin on Wonder of the Seas, you're going to notice a definite design motif, a different aesthetic to it. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's something that really um, makes it a detriment to anything. It's just, you know, it's a noticeable thing about it, right? And something that Royal really doesn't do with its uh, amplification, or its dry docks, rather. And even the amplifications, they really don't do that kind of thing. So anyway, I digress. Um, but the ship looks fine. You know, everything's working nicely. It's actually, I, I, there was one thing that was not working on our sailing. One of the flow rider pumps, even though the flow rider was refurbished during this dry dock in which they replaced both pumps. One of the sides wasn't working on our sailing, but this happens, you know, the, uh, there was a Q and a event earlier today. And one of the guests was complaining about the karaoke machine, which was working when they were in dry dock and they come out of dry dock. And of course something breaks. And this is how everything goes. I mean, you know, this is not unusual. It's just kind of bad timing. Cause it's like, Oh, we could have fixed it in there, but you know, there's always regular maintenance. That isn't to say that cruise ships, you know, will go, okay, well, they're not going to get anything fixed for the next five years. No, they have routine maintenance. They have teams that come in, and fix these kinds of things. So, um, you know, anyway, my point is, is that with with dry docks, you really shouldn't expect much uh, in terms of anything noticeable more than probably the paint job on the outside of the ship. That's probably the most noticeable thing. Certainly when I was walking on board, I noticed it was very bright white. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to see that. Um, but nothing crazy new, nothing noticeable from that end. So post dry dock and this our sailing was the uh, third sailing, I believe, since dry dock. So, um, you know, business as usual, I guess, best way to describe it. Number two, this is my first time with once a day room cleaning. So as many of you probably know, Royal Caribbean switched over earlier this year and they're in the process. There's still maybe a couple of ships that haven't done this yet, but anyway, they're in the process of switching over if they haven't already to once a day cabin cleaning. If you're in, if you're below a junior suite, you will only get your cabin serviced by your stay attendant once per day. You get the choice of either the morning or the evening service. And uh, when I was on Wonder of the Season March, we were staying in a suite, so we still had twice-a-day service. So this is my first time doing once-a-day, and I selected evening service. I felt like that was the better of the choices. Heck, I would even say it was the obvious choice for me. I'm, I'm sure there's people who disagree with me on this one. But the reason why I say it was obvious is it just seemed to me that picking evening service allowed me to, in the morning, not feel compelled to run out of the room, although I do that anyway. This would have been more helpful if my kids were with me, because my kids are notorious for sleeping in on cruises. They love take their sweet time and and sleep in and, uh, you know, 10 o'clock is too early kind of a thing, right? Anyway, uh, it's just seemed to me that that was a good idea and then the evening service would work well and everything would be turned over great. The Off the bat, there was one thing that kind of stood out about it. Um, I got on board the ship and, of course, the room had been, you know, cleaned before I got on there. And when I got into my cabin, I met my steering attendant and he asked me, you know, which one would you like? And I said, the evening service, cool. Now, I assumed I was going to get evening service that day, this embarkation day. I did not. I did actually not get any service in my room until the next day. So that basically means my cabin wasn't serviced for, let's call it, for easy math, 36 hours. It's not quite that, but you know what I mean. It was serviced in the morning of embarkation day and then wasn't serviced again until uh, not that the evening of day two, if that makes sense. Now, let me be clear about this. I could have easily, he and the stay attendant was quite clear about this also. I could call him anytime uh, to, to request stuff. He would still be out there in the mornings as well to request, you know, towels or anything like that. So it wasn't like I was, you know, 
no towels for you kind of a situation. But what was interesting was people who selected the morning service would have gotten their cabins turned over, obviously, the morning of day two. And as long as that would have been an advantage, but it seemed like the gap for them was quite narrow because, of course, I had to wait. Well, let's see. If they service through around like 9 a.m. and my cabin would get service around 6 p.m., you know, eight or so hours later at the very least, right? So it wasn't a big deal. And certainly by the time I got to day three, day four, like we were on, you know, the, the once a day was fine. But that was one thing that stood out about the once a day thing. Now, I wouldn't, I'm going to say here, I'm recording this and saying, even if I was on a cruise next week, I would not request um, the morning service. I still think the evening service is more convenient, but I might plan ahead better, especially if my kids and my family, my wife is here, because maybe we would request even more towels than usual just to have them there. Um, things of that nature, but you know, the once a day was fine. Um, I remember when once a day was announced and I didn't love the idea at first and then I thought about some more. I was like, well, in reality, what I really like about twice a day service was that if I took a nap in the afternoon, the bed was ready for me again in the evening. Right. Um, <laughs> not a big deal, but just something, it was just, it was kind of odd. It just, it wasn't odd. Odd's the wrong word. It was different for me walking into my cabin at like 10 30 in the morning when I would usually expect to find the cabin made up again, and it wasn't. It still looked the same way when I left it, which was kind of, you know, well, that's a, that's a new change there. So with the with the once-a-day room cleaning, it's totally fine. Like, it doesn't it, – it works fine. I think that that the issue I mentioned about, you know, the first day in which you really don't get until the evening, if you choose evening service, for day two notwithstanding was – really worked well. I mean, it's just – you know, I never had any issues. Now, granted, I'm solo, and I'm curious if when we do this with my kids – you know how that'll work, but we will request extra towels. And I got to tell you, my stairman attendant was always around in the hallway. Again, he was there, even though I requested evening service, he has other rooms to service in the morning. So, you know, he said he's in there. If you need anything, give me his card, you know, call. So no issues. No, I don't really have any concerns with it. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. And, and, you know, there's a longer, bigger discussion about, you know, the once a day service and, you know, about the the nuances and what happens in the grand picture. We're not here to talk about this. I'm just sharing my first time experience with it. And so far it worked fine. So just something to, uh, to talk about there. Number three on my list is something that's new to me. Um, I'm going to be talking more about this. I'm doing, a, I'm definitely doing a blog post about it, maybe even a YouTube video, but I wanted to talk about this first here. Cause this is, I haven't quite collected all my thoughts yet. And it's kind of not quite complete with it. Anyway, this is my first time. Uh, actually, now I'm thinking about this that I talked about this on the Wonder Review. Anyway, uh, my first time really with <clears throat> Prime in the casino. So um, in Royal Caribbean's casino, there is a loyalty program of its own. So it's separate from Crown and & Anchor, and it's uh, Casino Royale, and it gives you basically free perks if you gamble enough. Now, for many years, I just kind of like – I didn't ignore it. I knew it was there, but I didn't really pay much attention because I wasn't – I'm still not like a big gambler by any means. It was just something that I knew existed. I knew people talked about it, especially on the realcoming.blog.com message boards. And but I just it wasn't really on my radar. Uh, then uh, let's go back about six months ago. I think it was in maybe even more than that. Maybe I think it was February 2022. And uh, I was in on Independence of the Seas, and I was talking to the casino host because you know we would like to go to the casino. We usually go to the casino, my wife and I, and we'd spend you know a hundred dollars each, maybe right, just kind of you know. Something to do to get away from the kids kind of thing. Anyway, I was talking to the casino host, and, you know, I wanted to know how many points I had because it was something that, you know, I've heard people talk about. I was just curious, and he looked up and gave me my number, which I don't remember what it was, but he said, you know, if you continue on this current pace that you're on, 
you'll you'll be able to hit Prime, which is the second tier of Crown and Anchor, of uh, sorry of Casino Royale. The first tier is Choice, which pretty much everybody has, but Prime is the next tier. And to get to Prime, you get a number. I was surprised by how many perks there are. You get one free cruise, seven night cruise, uh, for two you yourself and somebody else off the bat. Like you, you hit Prime, you're gonna get one free cruise a year. Then there's also in addition to that, like discounts. And uh, to date, I've gotten a $250 discount voucher to use on any cruise. And I just got on this cruise, $100 voucher to use on any cruise. Uh, you get free drinks in the casino. So it's like a free drink package, but it only works in the casino. And there's some other benefits, which I can't think off the top of my head. Um, oh, we get like, you know, some static, you get free play money, you know, with like partners like MGM. But the ones I mentioned are really the primary ones. That's a lot. I mean, the drinks, the free drinks alone are really compelling. And, you know, I thought about it. And so, you know, maybe I maybe that planted the seed in my head and I started playing a little bit more than I would. But anyway, I achieved Prime. You have to do it. Uh, the, the year runs from April 1st to March 31st. So you have between that time period to get it. And then back in December of 22, I accrued enough points to make Prime. So now that we're in April, my official year has begun and I really got to take advantage of the benefits and I've gotten... The, the the freebies I talked about there, which are substantial, a free cruise, free seven night cruise, and free drinks in the casino. Now th there's more than that, but those two perks alone are really nice. I gotta say because it's that's a lot. I mean, a free. I mean, seven night cruise in an inside cabin. So no, it's not gonna carry away. You're not getting like you know a suite or anything like that. But you all know you know how much a cruise goes for, especially a seven night cruise. It's not free by any means. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's free in this case, but I'm talking about like in general, it costs money, right? And then you have the, on top of that, I've gotten already two offers um, from Casino Royale for some extra uh, cash off a cruise. It's, you know, it's not a dollar for dollar thing. We're talking about gambling here. We're talking about, I am sure that I, no, I'm not sure. I know I have lost money getting to this prime status. That being said, um, if you're comfortable with it, it's something that might be of interest. You need to at least either cruise a lot or if you don't cruise a lot, gamble a lot. And so I'm not here to encourage anybody to gamble or do anything like that. You should be when you go in the casino and I always do this. I always go in the casino assuming I'm losing all the money that I'm about to gamble. So if you're not OK with that, if you can't afford that, it's not OK with it. If you can't afford that, you should not be gambling. Gambling is very addictive. It's dangerous in a lot of cases. You know, we all know this, right? I'm not, I just want to make this crystal clear that I'm not advocating gambling. I'm just sharing my experience with uh, Casino Royale and, and Prime. And, you know, it's it's been very interesting um, in terms of, you know, the benefits. Again, to me, given that I cruise a lot, that's my advantage because I don't gamble a ton on a particular sailing. You know, I'll gamble a little bit, but not like, you know, I'm not gambling thousands of dollars per cruise, right? What I do is I, I cruise a lot. And so if I go on, you know, uh, let's say, let's do easy math here, 10 cruises a year. And whether they're three night cruises or seven night cruises, it's a fair amount of days at sea that'll add up. And I can certainly see the the value that you can get with, with Prime, especially the free cruise and the free drinks in the casino. You know, for me, I'm Diamond Plus, so I get five free drinks a day. And if I get free drinks in the casino on top of that, um, that's pretty good deal right there. That really makes you rethink buying a drink package. I don't even have a drink package on this cruise. And I did not have a drink package on the last cruise I was on, on Wonder of the Seas, for this exact reason, because I, I feel like I don't need it. Um, certainly, the drink package is more convenient, especially if you're not spending a lot of time in the casino. That's where you can get your drinks, or you're not willing to walk down to the casino. You can get your drink at the casino, by the way, and walk somewhere else. That's totally fine. But 
Um, this is my first time again. We're gonna, I'm curious to see how this goes through the year, and I'll be talking probably more about this in the future. But I wanted to talk about this because it's my first time really with the program officially as the my year has begun since so we passed April first. Um, but it is is you know it's some interesting dividends that come with it. Number four, what's well, completely unrelated? There's no segue possible with this one. Seaweed. <laughs> Our cruise went to Customaya and Cozumel, and um, if You've been on a Western Caribbean cruise in the last, gosh, 10 years. Uh, You've probably heard of or dealt with uh, some of the seaweed issues that occur uh, on the, in, in this part of the world where essentially these large patches of seaweed come rolling up on shore uh, periodically. Now, again, it's periodically, it's not all the time. Sometimes uh, it's not a problem. When we were on Wonder of the Season in December, we went to the Western Caribbean. Yes, yes. And uh, we were in uh, both these ports, and in both cases, really no seaweed, nothing substantial to talk about, you know, normal stuff, right? This time around, in Costa Maya especially, it was the worst I've ever seen. I mean, it was, it, it was incredible how bad it was. I've never, I remember texting my wife saying, I've never seen it this bad. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing anybody can really do about it other than you should be aware of it when you're planning your day. And, you know, if you're saying here, well, man, I'm planning a Western Caribbean cruise. Should I not go in Western Caribbean? No, you should still go. These are beautiful places more to do than simply just the beach. But I would certainly look at an option that has a pool as a backup. Uh, I might also just simply look at it as if there is a lot of seaweed, make the best of it. I mean, you can still go in the water once you get, you know, about, I don't know, 10 feet in. You know, you're past the seaweed and you're in the water and it's fine, but it's unsightly. It can smell. I, I, it was just something that was interesting because it was more than I've ever seen before. And, um, it's just, it's unfortunate because it's just, you know, it, it does ruin what would otherwise be an absolutely beautiful coastline, but this is how mother nature works sometimes. And there's ebbs and flows to it. And it was what it was. Uh, let's go back to something good. The Wi-Fi. I never thought I would say these words. The Wi-Fi on Mariner of the Seas was excellent. Because Mariner had traditionally been one of the one of the, if not the worst, Royal Caribbean ship with Wi-Fi speeds, internet speeds. But now they're on Starlink. And again, I don't want to say that Starlink is the end-all be-all, because I was on Wonder of the Seas in March, and their Starlink internet was terrible. So, but it was really good to, uh, here on Mariner. So that leads me to believe that it's less Royal Caribbean, per se, uh, and more like, you know, it's Starlink and their their uh, burgeoning network. And it's not, you know, there's going to be growing pains with what they're doing. And there's a lot of factors at play as well. But on this cruise, it was fantastic. And this cruise, you know, it really opened my eyes to the possibilities, what we've always wanted to have, especially when I say we, I mean, nerds like myself, who've always dreamed of, wouldn't it be great if we were on a cruise and the internet worked as well as it did at home? On this cruise, it absolutely did. And I was really impressed by it. And it was so nice, uh, whether I'm talking about this episode of the podcast, which is being uploaded on the internet from the ship or, you know, anything I'm doing for royalcaribbeanblog.com or just simply FaceTime with my family. It was nice not having to hit the connect button or the call button or the upload button and then having that thought in my mind, oh gosh, please work, please work, please work. Because that was usually how it worked before and now, great. So, uh, and lastly, the importance of crew members. And I, and I want to talk about this because I think it's really important for anybody who is new to cruising to understand this more than anything. It's it's important for everybody, but I think people that are new to cruise may not think about this. When you think about booking a cruise, I know that when I was cruising at first, I didn't think about the importance of crew members at all. I mean, I knew they were there, obviously, and I knew that they could do things for you, but I, I never truly appreciated 
the importance a really good crew member can play um, in the course of your cruise, uh, you know, during the sailing. And Mariner, a ship that I've been on a couple times, 12 times, as I mentioned, and there were some crew members who I would say about, let's say, half a dozen or so that I remember when I was on Mariner last, which was last summer. And, uh, you know, it, they, they really, truly stand out. So what's this, what's the takeaway here? My takeaway for you is when you're on a cruise and you're in any venue, whether it is a bar, a restaurant, a lounge, guest services, a store, um, there will be some crew members who truly stand out for being what I call rock stars, superstars. People that they really, they're not only just good at their job, they really seem to care. They make a connection. They remember who you are. And these are the crew members that you should gravitate towards because they can greatly improve your cruise experience. And I'm not talking about something simple like remembering your name, which is nice. I'm talking about certainly remembering your drink order, having things the way that you want it, a friendly face. It really makes a difference when you encounter one of these really great crew members on board. And, um, you know, it, it, it's little things that truly make a difference. And that's what I love about cruising because um, it, it, it's something that just seems to stand out a lot about cruising, especially compared to land vacation. So I got to tell you, you know, when you go on a cruise, I'm not saying you should go out there and start, you know, with a clipboard and start taking down names and be like, oh, this guy seemed okay. You know, you're going to notice that they're going to stand out because they are somebody who's going to just, you know, they're going to remember your name. They're going to do something a little small that, that really stands out. And these are the really important crew members to get to know, chat with. Um, they can really make a difference in your sailing. So um, talk up, you know, chat up the crew members, get to know them. And when you find one that's really good, you know, you really want to, you, you really want to um, you know, get to know them even more. And certainly maybe you frequent their station more than others because it, it can really make a difference there. And um, this isn't just about tipping. That is an important aspect. I think it's always good to reward, you know, crew members for hard work as well. But um, it's just incredible what some of the ones that truly uh, understand, you know, the, the guest service aspect of it can really make. And, and I really enjoyed it. So had a great time on Mariner of the Seas. Uh, I am I, I'm sure my wife is happy for me to come home, um, and I miss my family, but I had a great time, and I wish I had another couple of days on here, but I, I really enjoyed it, and it's uh, it's always interesting when you go on a cruise and you have a couple of different takeaways that you can apply now for future sailings uh, going forward. All right, time for some emails. Our first email is from TJ Bruzek. Matt, thanks for everything you do and the Royal Marine blog staff do for us. Please keep up the great work. My family and I are booked for the inaugural sailing on Icon of the Seas, and I was wondering if you've ever been on inaugural sailing and if Royal Caribbean will be doing anything special for the event. Thanks again for everything. TJ, thanks for the email, and the answer is yeah. Um, I've done a couple different inaugurals. Uh, Wonder of the Seas was the most recent one, but I've done some on Odyssey and Symphony, Harmony. So yeah, um, the inaugural sailing is a big deal. Uh, certainly... Um, one of, there are a couple things that you could probably bet on. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but a couple things. Number one will be the, the ship will be decorated a little nicer. You can expect to see some fresh flowers. Um, it also depends on which inaugural sailing you're on. And what I mean by that is, well, what are you talking about, Matt? I booked the first revenue sailing. Yeah, well, actually, there'll probably be some other sailings before yours that you can't go on. They're not revenue sailings. They're uh, special events for the media or travel agents or even uh, shakedown cruises, which are cruises in which only crew members are on there. But I digress. Uh, the point is, is that it's still a big deal with the first revenue sailing because that's anything that comes before that is more like prep and the first revenue sailing, which you're on, TJ, 
is is kind of the real deal there. It's 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 the it's the first run. It's opening night. Anyway, um, so flowers, extra decorations there. Uh, you also, if you care, top brass are usually on those cruises. Maybe not Michael Bailey, the CEO, but certainly a lot of executives can be on there, and um, you know maybe some extra attention being put there. I would say number two, you can also find some special giveaways. I wouldn't expect a ton, but there can be special. Uh, paraphernalia that's given to you. Usually it's left in your cabin uh, in the evening, whether it's one thing or one thing every night. It depends on the cruise and what's going on there, but that has been uh, the situation as well. So that's something you can expect there. Um, and it's, it's it's kind of a party. There's a lot of people who are, you know, longtime time opening cruisers. Uh, there's a sense of euphoria when it comes to a new, to a, to an inaugural uh, sailing on a, on a brand new ship. People really take it to heart. Next, we have an email from Scott. I hear cruising to Belize City is not really safe, especially outside the port. What's your opinion on that? I know there's a lot of great places to see outside the port walls. Thanks. Scott, I have not been to Belize um, since... Um, oh, gosh. It must have been before the pandemic, I'm thinking. It's been a little while since I've been to Belize. Um, the thing with Belize is I would say that Belize is best for scuba diving, snorkeling, that kind of thing. And most of those tours don't require you to leave the port area because basically Belize is a tender port. So you'll take a tender from your ship to the port area. And then if you're doing a scuba or snorkeling thing, you're probably just popping from your tender boat to a different boat and then heading on there. Cool. The issue is if you leave the, the, the port area, I think the area, as memory serves me correctly, right outside of it may not be the most you know glamorous place on earth. But the last time we went there, we actually did a private tour through Royal Caribbean through the uh, private journeys department, of which I have to say, before you all start Googling private journeys and try to book something, I have struck out with them at least two times now, like getting any response, let alone a, a tour I don't want to do. Um, so I, I throw that out there. But we did a tour that took us to the Belize Zoo and went to a restaurant, I, I wanted like some, something semi-local food, and we went to a great beach. And it was a great day, but that was through Royal Caribbean. Um, so I guess my advice to you is, um, don't be afraid necessarily, but if you're going to do something, book a tour, do not, uh, it's not the kind of place to just wing and walk, walk around like Cozumel would be. So hopefully that answers your question there. Next email is from David Hatchkiss. Thanks for everything you do on the podcast. We are going on Anthem of the Seas from Southampton in August. We are going as a group of nine spread across four cabins with a mixture of kids and adults who all book separately. I heard you mention on a previous podcast you can link bookings for up to eight people in order to book activities and dining. Is it possible to link more than eight people so when we check in, book dining, book activity, etc., we can do everything together? Thanks, Dave. Um, I Now I'm trying to struggle to remember if it was eight people or eight cabins. I think it's got to be eight cabins. Is It would be my guess because, you know, I, I don't think their system is sophisticated enough to know that, you know, if you have, let's say, four cabins, right? And there's, you know, four people in each cabin. Like, it's not that smart. Like, oh, you've run out of people. I don't know. Maybe it is. I could be wrong on that. But uh, I certainly would give it a try. Um, you know, the worst case you could do, Dave, is you could split it. You know, you say, okay, well, I'll take half. And then you find somebody else who is reasonably well-versed in this stuff. And they do the other half. And, you know, two is better than all whatever it is, 16 of you trying to do it all at once. So that'd be my, my next best backup idea right there. Next, we have an email from Ryan. Love the vlog, and thanks for all your hard work keeping us Uber planners up to date with Royal Caribbean. Take my family on our family's first cruise in August on Wonder of the Seas. of my first Royal Caribbean cruise in over 15 years. Last one was on Vision. This will be my first cruise with the Starbucks on it. My family collects the Bin Here mugs for Starbucks. I looked all over and haven't found an answer. Does Royal Caribbean have Bin Here mugs that are ship-specific? 
like Disney has them for their parks. If they don't, Roker is really missing the target. Ryan, I can tell you for a fact, thank you for the email, uh, they do not have them. Uh, I was actually looking at them when I was in, there's a Starbucks here at Mariner this Seas, and they do not. And this is true of all the ships, uh, it's not just Mariner. Um, they don't. They will have basically just Florida ones. It'll say Miami or something like that. Um, but they don't. Um, yeah, it would, it wouldn't wouldn't it be a, um, a terrible idea. I'm sure if you think it, there's got to be someone else who would be interested in there. So, yeah. Uh, last email of the day is from Rebecca. Hey, Matt. Uh, hope all is well with you and the family. Now for the business part of my email. My husband, our daughter, and her boyfriend, and another friend of ours, so a total of five people, are heading out on a lure of the seas to the Western Caribbean in July. This will be our first cruise out of Galveston. A couple questions. Number one, what is the best way for five of us to get to the Galveston from the Houston airport the night before the cruise? I know Royal Caribbean offers transfers, but I'm wondering if there's a better, cheaper option we can look into or just hire a private transfer company like I have done in other ports. Uh, you said better or cheaper. Those are not necessarily... They, they may be, in a lot of cases, mutually uh, separate. Um, mutually exclusive, I should say. Um, so I would say, the, in my opinion, the best way is Lyft or Uber. It's simple. It goes on your schedule. You don't have to plan anything in advance. You get to the airport. If, you, if you're delayed two hours, you get there early, whatever. You get to the airport. You get your luggage. You go downstairs. You hit the button. Boom. You're on your way. I did this when I did uh, my when I went to Galveston on Alert of the Seas in November. It worked flawlessly, both getting from Houston to uh, the port of Galveston and then back and back again. I was worried about the second half being an issue. It really wasn't an issue at all. So uh, that'd be the best option. There are private car services um, available as well. And actually on our message boards at RoyalCarmineBlog.com, there's a long running thread about the port of Galveston and how to handle this. And there's a couple different companies that you can get car service from. And they're, they're really great. Um, I just like Lyft. I use Lyft a lot. And it works for me. Um, you have a family of five. Just make sure you get a Lyft XL. That's the most important thing. Because if you order a regular Lyft, aka the cheapest option, the problem is going to be someone's going to show up in like a, in a you know Toyota Corolla, which you can't fit everybody and all their luggage in. So check the Lyft XL, which will usually get either a minivan or an SUV of some kind, and that should have more than enough room. And certainly, you know, you can message the, the driver once it's assigned, like, hey, I've got four pieces of luggage and five people. Is that okay? Or whatever the number is. And they're usually cool about it if, if that doesn't work for them. So... Um, that's number one. Number two, in Costa Maya, what did you prefer, Maya Chan or Jamie's at Blue Reef? We've done uh, no Hotch K in the past, but want to try something different this time. I'm leaning towards Maya Chan as it looks a little more chill, but I was looking for some first-hand reviews and thoughts. So these are two of my favorite places to go in Costa Maya. They're both all-inclusive. I love Maya Chan. I've been a Maya Chan fan since 2010. I've been going there ever since. Uh, I talked to you earlier. I talked to you earlier in this episode about the seaweed problems, and that was a problem that would occur anywhere in um, Costa Maya. The nice thing that Jamie's has is Jamie's has a fence around their beach, um, in the literally in the water, which doesn't. It's not like foolproof, but it does do a better job of protecting um, against the seaweed. The good news is, by the way, Jane, um, Maya Chan they will give you you know the day before and certainly the day of. They will show you photos of the beach. They listen, we've got a seaweed problem. We don't have a seaweed problem. This is what it looks like. If you'd like to cancel, full refund, no problem. We can do so for you right away. Um, so you could always do that. Um, I, I, Maya Chan, they're, they're, it, it's definitely chill. The best service I've ever gotten anywhere at any beach, at any resort. It is so personalized. It is so caring. The food is amazing. They have a pool as well in case the beach is not to your liking. Um, I love it. I, I love going there, and I just went there this time. Jamie's at Blue Reef is a great alternative, and I go to Jamie's when Maya Chan is not an option. They sometimes close now 
in the hurricane months because it's a little, it's slower season. It's a good time for them to, you know, uh, refurbish their facilities, take a break, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I like them quite a bit. I think they do a great job. Uh, their, their, their area of the beach is a lot smaller because they operate in downtown Mahalwal, whereas my chain is in the middle of nowhere Mahalwal. So Jamie's is like, you know, it's a, it's a strip of sand they own and on either side are other operations, but that's neither here nor there. Do a great job. I've, I've met Jamie, which by the way, his real name is, his name is pronounced Jaime in, in Spanish. That's how they pronounce what would otherwise be, looks like Jamie in English. But Jaime's a great guy. Um, he has a great team. Uh, I have no qualms about going there. So, you know, uh -huh. there's pros and cons to both. Uh, certainly getting to Jamie's is, is shorter drive. Um, it's about half the distance, which is really nice. And they do a great job. And their food is good. The drinks are good. Um, service is excellent. So I really don't have any problems with, with either. Um, I, I've just been going to Maya Chan for so long and I really, their service is impeccable to the point that I really like going there. So I would always, in my opinion, it's, it's Maya Chan one, Jamie's two, but that is like more like one, one, a kind of thing. They're both excellent choices. Something to consider. And lastly, uh, any recommendations for must-use in Roatan? It's our first time to the island. So not really sure what our best option is. Most people end up going to Little French Key. There's a number of activities you can do there. Again, I don't know what is of interest to you. There, you can hold sloths or do. A, there's go to beautiful beaches. Um, there's a number of activities. Little French Key. Uh, if you go, just Google Roatan Tours, Little French Key, you will find a plethora of choices there, and I'm sure something that will appeal to you and your family. So, thank you, Rebecca, for uh, your email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. Of course, if you want to email me your questions, you can always do so by saying to Matt M A T T at Royal Caribbean Blog. Dot com, Matt at RoyalCreamBlog.com. Until next time, talk again real soon.